Hey there! Welcome to Football with Grant Wall, a special U.S. Women's National Team Olympics edition with co-host Christine Cupo. Thanks so much for joining us. The U.S. has just tied Australia nil-nil today on match day three of the Olympic soccer tournament. One of the more perplexing games you'll ever see from the U.S., U.S. finishes second in the group behind Sweden and will play in the quarterfinals on Friday, most likely against the Netherlands. We're recording this before their game. It could be Brazil. Christine, another early kickoff at 6, 11 a.m. here in New York City. How are you this morning? Um, I'm, I'm well. I'm well. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm well. I am. I am far too awake. And um, yeah, this this game. It's we really did this, huh? We all really woke <laughs> up on the East Coast at four a.m. to watch to watch this. This <clears throat> by way of things we want to save in time capsules. This wasn't it. <laughs> Let's just pretend this one didn't happen. Can we all just collectively agree that? Oop. 404 message tape site net found game never happened we didn't <clears throat> we didn't do this we didn't no 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 if if we were doing the podcast equivalent of the game we just saw we would call it a podcast now and say see you on friday <laughs> 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 i get it i guess you know it's just this game went against everything the U.S. women's national team has ever stood for in terms of how they approach playing the game. I can't imagine, like, like Mia Hamm would have lost her mind about this. Players yeah, from that somebody, era. Somebody should check on her. <laughs> and, yeah, seriously, Mia, did my, you get up at 1 a.m.? That's Pacific? my goat. She shouldn't be allowed to just, like, Somebody should give her gifts this morning before they let her embark on her day because this is not, this is, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see, because we're recording this during what are the post-game interviews, if yeah. the U.S. players are being honest, I don't fully expect them to say publicly that they hate this, they hate this, they hate this. But I think we might see some sort of communication or at least coded communication that they didn't like this approach because clearly this was the coaches of both teams, Latko Andonovsky and Tony Gustafsson. Tony, by the way, former U.S. assistant under Jill Ellis, uh, basically telling their players, we want 0-0. At a certain point, this game stopped being played and it became like, I ended up posting that old gif of the, the Simpsons soccer episode where it's like center holds it, holds it, holds it. And... It's just such a, it, like, if you guys were going to do this, okay, just tell us. I won't get up. Yeah. I mean, the second half, we definitely had a bit of, of uh, just like center back kick around that you're like, yeah, that's, that wasn't really what I meant when I said we should string together some passes. I don't, I don't know what, what we were doing, but like, I mean, shouts to Australia for also not showing up today, I guess. High fives all around guys. Um <laughs> It's yeah, completely uncharacteristic. And um, I think that all in um, the U.S. women have always been extremely professional and haven't necessarily really held back in terms of 
um, post pressers and at least in terms of Rapino, she's usually pretty straightforward. She, she has mastered the art of accountability and just sort of telling you like it is not, you know, sort of beating around the bush. So my expectation is that whatever actually transpired will have a pretty solid idea of whether or not it's a straightforward, like here's exactly steps one through 10 of how we managed to actually not really play this, this game. But I, I think that we'll have a better idea um, in a few hours as to, as to what actually transpired. It just, it's no coincidence at this point. It's been, we're now in a, like a three game slog. Um, it's not, it's not our U S women's national team that we've sort of, I mean, they have dealt with both being sort of um, the golden children of women's soccer. And, and they've also dealt with adversity even from inside in, and sort of the strife that they had with Jill Ellis and otherwise that they sort of said like, hey, you know, like we're playing out of spite. And quite frankly, like as much as that's not extremely healthy mentally from any perspective, I would have preferred to have seen them show up to play in spite of anything today you know somebody please offend carly let her take it personally like i don't care if she comes out there and just kind of like snaps you like a twig like let's do this um <laughs> whatever fire needs to be lit it's it's right now kind of like somebody please just throw another log on the fire i don't know if it's just a lack of motivation at this point or what's actually happening because it's not like the talent has changed Right. Like we certainly have folks like extremely elated to see Lynn Williams get on field. Right. Not that there was really an opportunity for her to do much. You kind of just, I mean, look at it, <laughs> like, you know, not, not optimal conditions for her to come out and dazzle, but um, she's a great player. So extremely excited uh, to see her make it out. It's like, congrats to her. But um, I think that, uh, the Tierna Davidson change was the right one. Yeah. I think that we kind of expected that last match, or at least I did. I was like, yeah, you know, irrespective of resting and whatever, that seems like the move. We we haven't seen um, Abby Dahlkemper have a particularly stellar performance um, in the last two. And I think that we'll probably see a lot more of Tierna Davidson uh, ahead. But I am probably reasonably worried based on what we've seen now in this tournament going forward. Because from this point, like we have no business being there. I mean, at this point, I would say the U.S. is, what, not in the top three of performers so far in the tournament when it comes to... I mean, we're second in this group. And this group wasn't an insurmountable mountain. (laughs) Um, It's worrying. It's wild. I mean, there was an interesting stat from NBC, Arlo White, during the broadcast. This is the first time the U.S. gets four points in the group. First time in a Women's World Cup or an Olympics that the U.S. has gotten less than six points in the group stage. There was a goal disallowed, the fifth of the group for the U.S. Uh, Alex Morgan, hairline offside via VAR, and I guess they've got the same setup with the lines and the cameras in the in the stadium that the Premier League has. I hate the Premier League VAR, by the way. Um, and they said her shoulder was a fraction of an inch offside. So 
it is what it is. Um, and yet, there, I, I'm trying to sort of rank in my head right now what I've most been surprised about with the U.S. in this tournament. And I'll start not with an individual, because I've got an individual I want to mention in a second. Oh, I think there's a few, but I feel like that's also sort of unfair because it's, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, and I agree. That's why I'm not starting with the individual. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just am mystified by the inability of this U.S. team so far to have any string of passes together. It's like they win the ball, and then within two passes, they lose it almost all the time. And that's not something we've seen before from the U.S. If you look at the pass completion numbers for basically all of the attacking and midfield players, much lower than normal. Something's not right there. There's a, a, a level of impatience. They're lacking poise. Um, and that seems like the biggest sort of team issue right now. Um, I, do you have any, is anything else standing out to you in sort of a team aspect? No, I think that that's probably, I mean, other than some of our like blips with defensive issues, which we didn't see so much today, but um, apparent, I think that passing is, I mean, like, that's just like a fundamental, right? Like the numbers that we saw today was like low end was something about around like 60% pass completion. And we like, <laughs> whose team where? Like, this is the, like, if you would have just thrown some of those numbers at me from today's game without any labeling and said, like, this is a team, guess, guess who? Never. Absolutely never. Like. Yeah. I, the other thing that stood out to me from a team perspective just is fullbacks not getting forward. Didn't see Crystal Dunn getting forward in the attack. Didn't see Kelly O'Hara getting forward in the attack. Maybe once. Maybe once. A corner, yeah. I think and, I, once and I was like, like oh, she can get forward. Ball. Yeah. Um, that seems to be really missing. And, and I, I totally understand why Dahl Kemper didn't play today. She wasn't even in the 18. She's been poor defensively. But one thing she does very well that there really wasn't anything up today is that diagonal ball out of the back, kind of over the top, she's very good at. And, and that was missing today. And I do think it's going to be a big talking point heading into the quarterfinal of who do you start in the central defense? I assume Sauerbrunn will be there. I kind of think Davidson at this point, but if he if Flatco makes the call to start Davidson in an elimination game over Dahl Kemper, that will be a statement to Dahl Kemper. Wow, you haven't been good enough. Yeah, uh, but you know what? Sometimes you need the statement. I mean, it, it's not. I'm sure it's not fun at the time for anyone involved, but if that's the reality of it, and also again, if we're playing Davidson and sort of sacrificing some of Dahl Kemper's typical, because it's not to say that she's not usually wonderful, just for whatever reason, she's having a hard go this, this round. Um, but we're lacking some of sort of the stuff that she brings and like, where are we overcompensating elsewhere? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe that's partially why we weren't getting a lot of Crystal Dunn sort of in the attacking positions because I mean, quite frankly, I wouldn't have been super secure with, yeah. with things being as they are. Um, the last person that I'm asking to <laughs> sort of be more versatile in these games is, is Crystal. You know that she's going to be absolutely solid back there. Um, and I trust her the most. Now, I am going to mention another individual now. I'm just sort of, she's been terrific for the last couple of years. Sam Mewis has, has really <laughs> been out of kilter in this entire tournament so far 
you know, it wasn't her fault she was voted the number one player in the world on this ESPN poll not long ago. But I, I'm, I'm just trying to understand if I were in that press conference right now. Yeah. Maybe not right now, but maybe in the days leading up to the next game, I think I would ask like Vlatko or something, is Sam Lewis like carrying an injury? Is like, what's going on? Because like, th- this is like somebody did a body snatching thing and, and suddenly she's not Sam Lewis anymore. Yeah. I, I don't think in any way her being voted uh top athlete is a handicap in any way, but certainly it throws a bit more spotlight her way in terms of expectations. Um, there hasn't been anything evident that has been sort of plaguing her other than she doesn't seem herself. So maybe that's something that we'll, we'll hear back. I mean, who knows, maybe just, the, uh, the level of, I guess, also probably layers of isolation over there, again, in terms of just like COVID protocol and also the Olympic Village. And I don't know, uh, something seems to be wearing on all of them. It's not like you're seeing a whole bunch of individually poor. It's sort of the collective poor at this point. Um, we haven't even really seen Rapino show up too much um, thus far. Um, True. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, it, it doesn't seem like it's, um, Hey, this person has an injury or whatever. It just seems like there's some sort of like dark cloud above them all in. Um, I don't even really blame Vlatko. I think he's doing, um, the best he can do at this point. So I understand some of the vitriol cause obviously Twitter's Twitter, but, um, I don't, I don't particularly think that it's like time to sort of come out with the pitchforks and the Vlaco outsides. Let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Verna Law, a boutique law firm in intellectual property, including patents, trademarks, and copyrights. Verna Law's clients are largely small businesses and startups, and they focus on all aspects of intellectual property from protecting brands to inventions to artistic works. Verna Law's managing partner, Anthony Verna, is also the host of the Law & Business podcast, which you should definitely check out. With more than 60 episodes interviewing a wide variety of intriguing figures about intellectual property, copyrights, startups, and much more. You can also find Anthony Verna on Twitter at AVernaLaw, where he also tweets about soccer, by the way. Or go to the website, vernalaw.com. Thank you very much to Verna Law for sponsoring this episode. Look, things change completely if the U.S. wins the quarterfinal. It's looking like it could be a rematch of the World Cup final from 2019 against the Netherlands. Um, And obviously that would be a significant challenge. The Dutch haven't been as good in this tournament either yet. Um, So not everyone playing up to their top level. But if I were Alexi Lawless right now, I would make some grand pronouncement like, the U.S. has no chance of winning the gold medal. <laughs> uh, and that would be the headline on the podcast. But the fact of the matter is, was that like an Alexi Lawless impression? Because that wasn't a very good one um, <laughs> on The Voice. Uh, but <laughs> we can let you work on it. You, you have like <laughs> at least one more go. You can come back the most Alexi you can be. But like my, my point being that like there's still enough history there including with these U.S. players, I'm not ready to come out and say they can't win the gold medal because I think they certainly can find a way to turn it around. But something very major is going to have to change here for that to happen because this has been 
if you take these three games into like overall account, this has been stunning. And it's not just a matter of like everyone else is playing really well and the US are playing poorly. So I don't I don't know what exactly we need to burn Sage, maybe get like the most motivational of motivational speakers. I don't know, like line everybody up and be like, listen, who needs a pat on the head? Who wants to get aggressively screamed at? What's going to get this going? Like we can mix and match, throw around some high fives, um, do some affirmations in the mirror. I don't care at this point, but like, let's, let's, let's do it. I want, I want our U.S. women's national team back to uh, their rightful status where you kind of ooh and ah at them. Um I agree with you on all of that. That's their identity. I, it, That's who they are. They, you know what? Like, I want that, that showiness. I want the arrogance. I want the beautiful play. I want, um, yes, give me, give me. We deserve this. Come on. We do. Um, before we get to mailbag questions, and we've got some good ones here from y'all, um, I just wanted to have a quick station break. How many times have you seen Ted Lasso since the new episode came out on Friday? Um, <laughs> well, so in truth, I rewatched the entire first season, <laughs> um, the two days leading up to the new season drop. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it wasn't fresh enough in my memory. But OK, like I got a little bit of an education because I got that the practice speech that Ted gives is actually an AI presser. So me with my arm sports deficiency um i learned a thing so now every time somebody says that practice it's just practice i start laughing because look at that i know a thing now thank you guys i'm a little impressed that you're willing to admit this because it's kind of a classic sports speech (laughs) when (laughs) when does anyone think that i was ever watching um basketball press conferences like i was always the like show up for playoffs. I like going to games. If somebody calls me, hey, Christine, I got tickets. To-. Yes, I want to be there. I want to do that. I'll watch it. It's fun. I enjoy it. But um, half the time I would be squinting at like, who's that? Who's that? Who's that guy? Like, oh, those are cool sneakers. I have no idea. Um, so I, of, of all people, would be the least expected to ever have any semblance of a memory of a press conference that anybody ever gave outside of like Michael Jordan crying. It's funny because other athletes in other sports I've encountered over the years, especially athletes who don't particularly like to practice have memorized the Allen Iverson, we talking about practice <laughs> speech before. And, the, and one of the players who did that actually was Megan Rapino. And I included this in a story I wrote on Megan all the way back in 2012, ahead of the Olympics that year. I did a feature on her for Sports Illustrated. And she could do the Iverson speech almost word for word in its entirety. So she had clearly spent a lot of time with it. And and I thought it was fantastic and very representative of Megan <laughs> Rapino, who's not exactly known for her practice performances, or at least wasn't then. Uh, at this stage of her career, she's actually gotten better at some of that stuff. But um, I actually, I don't want to get any spoilers on Ted Lasso on the first episode. Don't want to get anyone angry. Um, it, it, it was great to see it again to see your characters. I wasn't 100% 
thrilled with it. And I'm going to talk to you about that offline because I'm not giving any spoilers. <laughs> but we've got a bunch of episodes to go right now. I can't wait for them. And well, I'm just that's jealous. the thing is so I was a Ted Lasso adopter during the pandemic who wasn't stuck up in that like one episode release mechanism that right. we are now in. And um, I'm going to riot. I, this is, I, I hate it. I hate it so much. I, well, I remember you and I actually got onto it around the same time. It was the October FIFA window. And I had a whole weekend when there was no soccer to watch. And so I basically watched every episode of Ted Lasso in one binge session and was hooked. I think it legit took me two days. Two days and I was done. Top to bottom. Was ready to replay, run it back. Um, yeah. And so now, like, having to wait. Like, the fact that I know now in my brain, which is an absolute carnival ride up there on most days, that Fridays you get new episodes of Ted Lasso is... It's quite the achievement for any TV show because half the time I don't know what day I'm actually on in the week. And now I'm like, okay, are we on episode two of Ted Lasso yet? Like my days are now counted in, in Lasso increments. I am tempted, by the way, because I, I am jealous of some media friends who've gotten like the first eight episodes of the season and are tweeting about it, how great it is. And I'm like, Greeners. I'm temp I am tempted because we've had Sudeikis and and Brendan Hunt on this podcast before, actually. They were great. Um, so, like, I'm tempted to, like, ask the PR person or, or, or have a white lie and say, yeah, I'm going to write about this. Can you, can you send me? <laughs> I mean, Grant, like, you're now officially the worst liar in the history of liars because you've now preemptively warned everyone that you're like, perhaps I shall lie. I'm going to lie today and get myself at least the first ep eight episodes. Um, they're going to be like, sir, um, on your podcast, you happen to mention blatantly that like maybe you were considering lying. I want to see that email come back from like PR to be like, um, yeah, this doesn't this doesn't track. You won't be complaining if I shared the link with you, right? Nope. What I was saying is Grant is definitely doing an elaborate think piece on Ted Lasso and you should send him all of the uh, current episodes and future potential scenes season three scripts, just in case, just for review. Exactly. Well done. Um, let's go to the mailbag here. We've got one from Brian Foley. Why has Vlatko taken such a conservative approach to this game? Is it a lack of trust in his defense or the natural reaction of a coach in his first tournament? What do we think? Brian, um, yes. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think it's a reaction um, that's, unwarranted it, he's already poor man um has already lived through the first two games he's seen what's transpired it hasn't instilled confidence in me and i am certainly not tasked with managing this team um so you kind of have a major challenge ahead of you is how do you get the most out of all the players that you have that you know you have that are healthy that are capable um we now have julie hey maybe you can do 30 minutes Ertz um playing full matches which thank the soccer gods um bless her and look after her always <laughs> but yeah. um i i don't think he's too far off base i think he's doing what he should be doing um which at this point sadly is is not trusting um the usuals the expected 
the the typically uh, foundational aspects of the team because we don't we don't have any of that happening right now. Based on the numbers that I that we saw earlier, um, he's a thousand percent right in his assessment not to trust what's going on. I do think he deserves some criticism, to be honest. And, and like, obviously, the three nil loss to Sweden would be a big part of that. But um, look, what happens in the knockout rounds is what we're going to remember this tournament about, not what happens in the group stage. That's what's going to define him. And he's got a crazy job, right? Where he had not lost a game in 24 games coaching this team until the first game of the Olympics. But literally, this is the tournament that will define whether he's done a good job or not. And there's this history also, if you're among U.S. dudes who've coached the U.S. women's national team, not named Tony DeChico or Anson Dorrance, not a great track record. You know, when you look back, Tom Sermani didn't last very long at all and got let go. Um, Greg Ryan, um, I think people try to act like this guy just never coached the U.S. team. He was the coach at the 2007 World Cup, had not lost a game until he got to that tournament and then lost 4-0 to Brazil in the semis and became he who must not be named. I don't think anyone would recognize that guy on the street at this point. Um, so, like, Vlako Andonovsky knew that was the, the deal when he took the job, but a big pressure-packed tournament is an entirely different situation than friendlies or the She Believes Cup or, or whatever. And the loss for against Sweden is, like, in and of itself, just a total mess. And then this game, I think, was even different in in a different way, just because this was not sort of in the DNA of this team from over the years to play for a zero zero, to play conservatively, not to press, um, to basically say we're okay, kind of sneaking in as the second place team. And it's just got to get better from here. But like, um, I, I, I'm a little, I guess I'm a little surprised that that was the approach today. It seems overly conservative to me. I don't think Um, that anyone would have, I, who would have anticipated this, right? Like we've never seen this before where you're like, Hey, yeah, like, woo draw. Like that has never been sort of any kind of a benchmarking tool for the U S women's national team. I think that the Olympics, especially for Vlaco, like, yeah, it should carry a reasonable amount of nerves that would be a little bit, you know, jarring for, I think, anybody from a human perspective, but um, certainly didn't give himself a very good leg up that first game against Sweden. And I think that that kind of really is what kind of sort of started. We came into it not great, and I assume that he had to have some some idea about things not panning out because the performances that we got, I feel like it would be hard to believe that that wasn't seen in, in practice and training leading up to this at least a little bit. Um, But I I guess in the grand scheme of things, like, what are you going to do? The thing that I hope though, is whether this goes well, knock on wood. I mean, I would love to take home gold irrespective of how shabbily we have to cobble ourselves back together with duct tape and God knows what else. 
um, that it sort of prompts some introspection that, you know, we're not, we aren't that dominant anymore. And there's a reason for that. And things need to change. And there are certain things that need to be addressed because we won't continue to have the same um, record of success that we have in the past. Things have changed. Other countries and leagues, et cetera, are getting far more buy-in investment than they've seen in the past. People are catching up. We simply don't get to coast by being good because we're simply good anymore. Um, we have to get back to being great. If, if that day doesn't come, I, I don't see this going well for us in the future. I agree with you. Um, and I, I want to say this before we get to the knockout rounds so that it's not just reactive. Um, not enough new blood in this team. I feel like the big mistake that gets made too often in the men's game and the women's game with championship teams is sticking too long with older players. And we've seen that with the German men's team. They've struggled since they won the, the World Cup in, in 2014. Um, it's I feel something... Like with- with the men's team, at least for the U.S., I feel like for a while there was a lack of a lack of I don't want to say a lack of talent in general, because that would be a lie. But I feel like there were a lot there was a lack of extreme talent where you have like a lot of stars that kind of have emerged and are evident like we have now. The women's game, I, I don't think we've ever been lacking in talent there. We left a lot of young physical, talented players home that maybe could have had a first go um, at the Olympics that we're only going to be able to say in hindsight, you know, if this doesn't pan out, like, hey, you know, this person would have been a better option. You know, mid should have came along. Maybe we should have done this a little bit better. Like there, I certainly have opinions about people that I would have liked to have seen, but completely unsubstantiated until we actually try them and it's successful, right? I just tend to say, if, like, if you're going to err on the side of anything, err on the side of youth, especially if you are a championship team, because I, I just think psychologically, I think it's that's the tendency is to stick with who got you there before. And too often, this is a young person's sport, I think. Um, so we'll see. Watch Carly Lloyd totally prove me wrong in the knockout rounds. Speaking of which, question from who is this from? Who is Banana 5? Anna After Dark. (laughs) Okay. Um, Who do we think was more frustrated by this game plan, Carly Lloyd or the U.S. fans who woke up to watch that snooze fest? Oh, that might also be a draw. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I feel like the... the level of frustration that we are feeling collectively, Carly will be able to more easily utilize to hopefully motivate her teammates, even if she has to terrify some of them. I, It's far more usable of a good for her than it is for us. We're just going to kind of run headlong into the wall um, or maybe probably more likely nap it off because I know between West Coast friends and us on the East Coast, we're all going to be walking around with dark circles today and probably a bit of caffeine jitters. You know, it's funny because Carly on her Instagram the other day posted a picture of Rocky Balboa, a former, like likewise as she is, Philadelphia area native. Um, I hope Carly like posts 
after this game, just a video of her with a punching bag, like, like going yeah. at it for like <laughs> two minutes straight. In the, the training sequence, but like the angry <laughs> one. No, 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 the angrier one. No, Carly, maximum level anger. Go. Um, yeah, I, I feel like if if we're gonna have anybody on that team that's like senior leadership and can kind of be like, Hey, let's go. It's, it's probably going to be her. Uh, next question here from not Carlisle, our friend Andre Carlisle, <laughs> the people need Christine to defend her fry take and also explain how we're supposed to trust her given this <laughs> development. This has something to do with sweet potato fries, but fill everyone in. Yeah. So we had a bit of a, uh, friendly Twitter debate yesterday about the, um, the level of goodness in sweet potato fries, and I am on team sweet potato fry um, as somebody that doesn't really particularly like fried food outside of like Zeppeli. Um, there are there are some loopholes, right? So someone had mentioned French fries, and I said I don't, I don't really like French fries, which could actually be just an extreme um, long term French fry hangover from high school when I was mostly vegetarian. And way back then in the olden days, they didn't really give you those options. So my very responsible and extremely nutritionally savvy self used to eat just a little container of French fries uh, at lunch every day. And then yes, I would immediately go after school to soccer practice and track practice without um any issues so yeah i'm like who like that's what i I was living on i wouldn't eat breakfast i'd eat french fries then go to practice for like two hours or games or whatever and that was what i ate which is probably also why i ate a significant amount of sour patch kids coincidentally don't feel the same about them as i do about french fries at this juncture in my life but um sweet potato fries are amazing okay And sometimes you get a place with like good, like maple dipping stuff, which I'm not super into the whole sweet, salty thing, but um, chipotle mayo and um, sweet potato fries is like an elite combination. So if you like yourself, try it. Um, I do have very good opinions, probably not about French fries or how to properly eat a Kit Kat, but we can take that up uh, separately should we ever come face to face in the streets. By the way, everyone should follow Andre Carlisle, not underscore, not underscore Carlisle on Twitter. He is no longer a protected account. He is out there for the public to see. He has wonderful gifts, uh, among other things, including takes, and you should follow him. He's super uh, duper duper knowledgeable, writes great stuff, um, especially around the women's game, um, and also very, very funny when he's not checking me for my bad opinions and co-host the uh diaspora united podcast with our friend courtney stith you should also be following um another question here from Jimena, former social media person for the u.s women's national team (laughs) are we getting olympic themed cookies christine the people want to know (laughs) well um In truth, I was going to take off the month of August because um, of the national holiday of my birth, (laughs) Um, but uh, I'll consider doing a limited Olympic cookie drop only because um, I'm sure I'll wake up one morning, one of these days and decide that I have some bizarro idea of a cookie that should exist and just need to breathe life into that. No promises, baby. 
I'm just wondering what an Olympic themed cookie, like what sort of taste stuff we'd be looking at ingredients here, because would it be Japanese themed? Would it be something? Is there some sort of Olympic thing that comes into your head? I don't know. I feel like an Olympic cookie gives you a lot more arm swinging room to do sort of a mashup because you either hang in and wait to see who actually get beyond the quarterfinals or what the potential final is. Right. And then you can sort of pick a cookie shaped around that or some wild event that happens, which I hope we get. Listen, if the U S women's national team managed to take home gold, I will be super duper happy. If that's not the way that this trajectory goes, I want maximum chaos. So like, (laughs) Hey, like, Like the silliness that you get when you're enjoying peak, like CONCACAF after dark. I want that, but the Olympics and then like dip that in chocolate and then make it crazier. I don't know, whatever. Um, But uh, yeah, like lots of ideas because I feel like the easy go would be like, oh, we'll do like a Tokyo sort of inspired cookie. And then I'm like, yeah, but that's the obvious reach. Maybe, maybe something better than that. We're, We are more uh, cultured and um, have very refined palates, as soccer fans says, a woman who just copped to eating French fries for lunch every day for like four years. Um, Dismiss that part. I am I am a culinary snob, big foodie. So here's my question is I love Japanese food. It's some of my favorite food in the entire world. Huge sushi fan. Uh, isakaya fan, yakitori, all of that stuff, soups, ramen, whatever. The Japanese, in my opinion, don't do desserts very well. And, I, and cookies might be included in oh, that. Mochi, mochi is about the only thing I can think of. And if I'm being honest, I don't like mochi very much. Oh, I like mochi. I didn't realize I liked mochi, but then I had mochi and it was all over. And I realized that um, we recently got a... Um, a specialty Asian food store, but like a legit one. And I should not be left unsupervised in there because I just leave with all kinds of noodles and I need trays apparently upon trays of, of mochi. Uh, And I'm a huge fan of, of the green tea one. So man, now it's, it's literally not even 7am in New York. And I'm like, you know what I need? I need mochi. No, no, you don't. You need to go back to sleep and rethink some of your decisions today. You obviously are not on a good course. Correct. 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 Look what you did, Vladko Andonovsky. Your zero zero <laughs> has forced us into lengthy digressions on French fries <laughs> and Japanese desserts instead of this game, which I have no desire to talk about anymore because I hope nobody remembers this game. Uh, Christine, as always, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, likewise. Uh, everybody, next game, um, it's got to be better, right? That This is going to be our mentality going forward. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I want to thank Christine Cupo as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world, plus discussion with Christine on every U.S. women's national team game at the Olympics and with Chris after every U.S. men's Gold Cup game. Be safe, everyone. See you next time.